Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's a joy to be with you in the spirit of Jesus Christ. Before I begin, I want to give a special shout out to our communications team who is just doing a phenomenal job putting these services together. Just this past week, a friend of mine who works at another church said he's been watching our services and he said he considers our online content to be the gold standard uh, for churches right now. And so I am so um, just so grateful we have such talented folks who have learned a new ministry um, and who have totally adapted to this new context. So I want to say thank you. I want to remind you that today at 1.30 this afternoon, uh, therapist and counselor Jeff Luce will be hosting a Zoom call talking about how we can stay mentally healthy during the pandemic. We can take care of ourselves. You can still register at the roswellpress.org website. And again, that's from 1.30 to 2.30 this afternoon. As we look to the fall, I want to preview our fall sermon series, How Now Shall We Live? In the Reformed tradition, we really teach new Christians and children about what it means to be a follower of Jesus by focusing in on three areas. You may remember a couple years ago, we looked at the Apostles' Creed that teaches us what Christians believe. Then last fall, we looked at what Christians, like how Christians worship, what are our spiritual practices, and we did that by looking at the Lord's Prayer. And this fall, we're going to look at how are Christians called to live. And we're going to look at that by looking at the Ten Commandments. And so I invite you to join us next Sunday as we kick that sermon series off for this fall. But today, we're going to look at kind of an obscure passage from the letter the Apostle Paul sent to his young friend, Timothy. It comes from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 22. Let us listen for the word of the Lord. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful in my ministry. I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will pay him back for his deeds. You also must be aware of him, for he has strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila in the household of Anisarus. Erastus remained in Corinth. Trophimus, I left ill in Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher, that you might speak from this obscure passage that was written down so many years ago, that by your spirit it might spring to life and it might speak a word that only you can speak. 
Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Come before winter. Some time ago, a congregation member gave me a set of their favorite sermons. Some of these sermons were quite old. In one of them, a pastor preached a famous sermon that he had borrowed from the senior pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh. Over the last year, I've discovered that this sermon has been delivered by many different preachers across the world. Each preacher kind of puts his or her own spin on it. But I think this sermon speaks to a perennial human issue, human issue that confronts all human beings. That sermon was based on today's text. You see, back in the mid-20th century, the pastor in Pittsburgh preached it first, uh, like 40 years ago, to kick off the program year. The congregation was so impressed. They were so moved by the sermon that the elders gathered, and by official resolution, they required that preacher to preach it once a year. And he did. For almost the next 40 years, he would preach it every year to kick off the program year. And I've borrowed it today, as I did last year, to put my own little twist on it. The sermon addresses a perennial human issue, the challenge of procrastination. Will we do what needs to be done today? Will we meet the needs of the present moment? Will we act and respond to what God asks us to do? This is a perennial human problem. Most of us, if we're honest, follow Mark Twain's advice to Never put off till tomorrow what can be put off until the day after tomorrow. In our text today, we have what most scholars agree were the last words written by the Apostle Paul. He's trapped in a, a, a cell, a prison cell in Rome. He is a, awaiting what appears to be his imminent execution. He is alone, he is imprisoned, and he is in need of help. And so Paul writes to his friend Timothy, and asks him to come quickly. He asks him to come soon. He says, come before winter. Paul writes, bring my cloak, bring my books, bring my parchments, but above all else, come quickly, come before winter. And so today, I have three questions that I want to ask regarding this text. The first is, why come before winter? Winter was a notoriously bad time for travel across the seas in the first century. Even if Timothy took a land route, he would ha still have to cross the Adriatic Sea. And the seas were usually closed down to traffic during the winter. In fact, shipping was shut down from the, the middle of November to as late as the middle of March. During the winter, the wind and the waves were too strong to sail. Your ship could be capsized. Even Paul experienced a shipwreck, we know. He knew how difficult sea travel could be. And so Paul is saying, Timothy, come before winter, before the, the seas become too rough. Come before it's too late. When you can't find a, a ship to carry you, come before winter. Well, I think Paul is not only worried about Timothy making to him, making it to him safely. But I also think Paul is sitting in that prison cell and he's feeling lonely and abandoned. Notice at the beginning of our passage, he says in verse 9, do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. 
Things have gotten difficult for Paul. He's held by the, the Roman Empire on a capital offense. He knows he's going to die soon. He doesn't have much time left, and all his friends are abandoning him. They're trying to save their own necks. Demas, who's in love with this present world, says, I may have to die eventually, but I don't want to die yet. I'm out of here, Paul. Crescens left Paul saying, I have family in Galatia who I haven't seen in quite some time. Paul, you hold tight. I'll be back in a while. And Titus has gone to Dalmatia. He says, Paul, I've, I've ordered a dog I need to pick up. I've got to go. And so Paul is left in a prison cell writing his young friend Timothy. And he's saying, come soon. I'm lonely. I'm feeling abandoned. Come before winter. A number of years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Rome and see the prison cell where they think Paul was held in captivity. It was much different than, more different than I imagined. It was more like a cave than it was like a cell. The room was hewn out of rock. It was, had this low ceiling. It was musty and dark and damp and cold. And I could imagine the Apostle Paul sitting there and starting to get very practical, asking himself, what am I going to need as the cool of fall begins to set in? How am I going to confront the impending death that I'm facing? What do I need before winter comes? And so Paul writes to his friend Timothy and gets very practical. He says, okay, get my cloak. It's cold in here. Get my books. I'm bored. I, I need something to do. And most of all, get my parchments. I need to revise and review some of my writings. But whatever you do, make sure you come before winter. Paul is facing death, and he does not want to be alone. Timothy, come before winter. The second question we have to ask ourselves about this text is, did Timothy go? The Presbyterian minister up at First Press Pittsburgh was named Clarence McCartney. When he preached this sermon, he asked the same question, did Timothy go? And in the sermon, Dr. McCartney imagines what might have happened when Timothy received Paul's letter. Timothy might have said to himself, yes, I, I want to go visit Paul in Rome, but I want to say goodbye to him, but I can't go until I, I, I do a few errands. I have to take care of some things here in Ephesus before I leave. And so he took care of his errands. Winter did come. And he had to wait until spring to leave. Finally, when winter was over and the shipping routes were opened back up, Timothy finally made it to Rome. And Dr. McCartney imagines Timothy going to Paul's prison cell and meeting the prison guard and saying, Hi, I'm Timothy. I've come to, to see Paul. And the prison guard responds, Oh, hi. Paul so badly, so desperately wanted to see you. He prayed that you would come. But the prison guard goes on. Paul's last word to me was, if Timothy does come, give him my love. Tell him goodbye for me. Tell him I will see him again in heaven. Did Timothy go? We don't know. But if he hesitated, if he waited to get his affairs in order, if he procrastinated and dilly-dallied and delayed his departure, if he waited until after spring, Timothy would have missed his moment. He would have failed to respond to the present need. As I've heard it said, 
he who hesitates is lost. But I don't think Timothy did hesitate. I think Timothy was the kind of guy that went before winter came. He couldn't wait to see Paul. I imagine he hurried to go get Paul's cloak and he got his books and he got his parchments and he ran to Paul's side. I'm going to get there before winter. We have to be willing to respond to the needs of the present moment with decisive actions. We have to come before winter. RPC is a congregation that has a history of responding to the needs of the present moment with decisive action. I remember hearing the story of one of our mission partners, the Children's Development Academy here in Roswell. You see, in 1967, an African-American child died of malnutrition in Roswell. Everyone was shocked that this would be allowed to happen, that this could happen in our community. And so some of the women of this church gathered in our community, and they wanted to see what they could do. And they found out and discovered that one of the key factors of helping children get out and stay out of poverty is education. And so they had this dream of starting an academy to educate, feed, and care for young children. The only problem was they didn't have a place to meet. So they called the senior pastor at Roswell Presbyterian Church. And Pastor Cy Mallard answered his phone, and when they asked him and told him about their dream, he said, you know what, I'm going to have to check with the session first. I have to meet with the elders, and then he hung up the phone. A few minutes later, the, that woman's phone rang, and Cy was on the other end, and he said, I don't need to ask the session if you can use our church. This is just the right thing to do. With decisive action, Sai and those women gave birth to a vital ministry that would grow to take care of the most vulnerable people in our community. I'm proud to say that RPC contributes generously to this day to the CDA so that they can continue their vital ministry, so they can meet the needs of the present moment with decisive action. Friends, we are living at a time in our world where there are vital needs that need to be met with decisive action. In our world, we need people to stand up and speak for love and compassion and peace and justice. We need people who will speak up and live the values of Jesus Christ. We need people who will not procrastinate. We need people who will go before winter comes. Friends, we need to respond to the present moment with decisive action. There are lonely people out there who need a phone call. There are hungry children who need food. There are people who do not feel valued, who, who need to be told they are loved and that they are important. There are needs of the present moment that need decisive action. And this leads to my third and final question. Paul asks Timothy, come before winter. And so my question is to you. Would you go? Would you have gone before winter? Ralph Waldo Emerson once wrote, you cannot do a kindness too soon, for you never know how soon it will be too late. We never know how soon it will be too late. Do a kindness now, today, come before winter. A retired Navy SEAL commander gave a speech that turned into a best-selling book with the title, Make Your Bed. 
He said that when he was first trained to become a Navy SEAL, every morning he would wake up and make his bed according to the very specific standards given to him by his, his instructors. He said he learned something very interesting through this experience. He said, when you get up in the morning, when you make your bed early, you start your day off with an accomplishment. He recommends parents and grandparents train up their children to make their bed, to train up grandchildren to make their beds right when they wake up, to get the day started off with an accomplishment, to get it started off on the right foot. Don't wait till later. You'll never do it. Do it now. Come before winter. How many of us fritter away the moments of our lives on meaningless activities? How many of us don't come before winter? How many of us never come before spring or the summer or even the next winter? How many of us let the precious moments of our lives slip away? One of the podcasts I've been listening to during the pandemic, the host said, if you're someone who is always talking about writing a book, developing a movie script, or starting some new hobby, hobby you've always wanted to take up, and if you're not doing it now, stop kidding yourself, you'll never do it. He says, now is the time to do it. I came across a quote from the humorist and writer Irma Bombeck, who wrote a regular newspaper column about housekeeping that was syndicated across the country. She wrote this great book with the title, If Life is a Bowl of Cherries, What Am I Doing in the Pits? In her life, she went through several major battles with cancer. And after she was told she was on the final round, that she would not survive, that death was imminent, she wrote some words that remind me of how we ought to deal with the time we are allotted in life. It's as relevant to anyone who's five years old or 85 years old or anyone in between. She writes, if I had my life to live over, I would have invited friends over to my house, even if there was a stain on the carpet, or I hadn't had a chance to change the upholstery on the chair. I would have taken time to listen to my grandfather ramble about his youth. I would have cried and laughed less while watching television and more while watching life. And when my kids kissed me impetuously, I would have never said, oh, later, go wash your hands. Mostly, given another shot at life, I would seize every moment, really see it and look at it and never give it back. I would stop sweating the small stuff. I would never worry again about who didn't like me, about who had more than I did. Instead, I would cherish the relationships with which I have been blessed, and I would do something every day to promote my own well-being, mentally, physically, and emotionally. Are we living our lives before it's too late? Are we reflecting on our lives to respond to the present moment, or will we just sleepwalk through life? Paul says, come before winter. Would you have gone? Would you come before winter? This program year here at RPC, would you be willing to take advantage of the present moment, to seize the moment with decisive action, to offer a word of gratitude, to do a kindness, to stand up and defend someone, to spend time with your loved ones. The question is, will you meet the needs of today with decisive action? Paul says, come before winter. There's no time like the present. As I conclude, I would like to share with you about a text I received this past week. 
I recently told the RPC staff that my father has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. This has been very frightening for him and for our family. And this friend who is a, a member of RPC also had a friend or a father who died of Alzheimer's. This past week, he texted me and said, make sure you talk to your dad as much and as often as you can. He was saying to me, don't wait for winter. Do it now. Talk to him now while you still have time. I'm trying not to wait for winter. I'm coming now. Come before winter. And so, friends, we are living in difficult times, it's true. But there are needs of the present moment that require our immediate response. Is there someone you need to reconcile with? Don't wait for winter. Is it time to reach out to that person God has put on your heart? Don't wait for winter. Is it time to research an issue, do some investigation? Ah, oh, don't wait for winter. Is it time to seek help, maybe for yourself or maybe for a friend? Don't wait for winter. Paul wrote to his friend Timothy and begged him, come before winter. The question remains, would you have gone? Will we come before winter? Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this great call on our lives to come before winter, that we might confront and see the needs of the present moment. We might respond with decisive action. Give us courage, give us wisdom as we live our lives, that we might live them fully as we try to contribute to your flourishing world. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.